the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of the In the Pattern Podcast. And we are all on this episode. We've got everybody Brad, Mark, John, and Chris. Finally, we uh, get to do one where everybody's uh, able to participate. And uh, glad to have you back, Mark. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Thanks. And uh, and we got uh, Brad and John with us. John just joined, so we're ready to get this thing kicked off. I was no, I I, I beg to differ. I uh, I forgot my beer. Oh, party foul! <laughs> uh, I'm 98 percent through mine, so <laughs> yeah, I, I'm about to start. Are we going to start this again? No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> no, that's going in the podcast. I will We're just so. sneak off to the fridge because when John said it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. So let's um, talk to Mark about how uh, you're back now. Yay. Your time. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. There hasn't been a lot going on. So uh, next. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Actually, what I wanted to talk about is is I know that a lot of student pilots they get into a they get into a rut, or you hear a lot of guys talk about how it takes him you know a year, two years, you know, longer than that. Uh, I'm I've voluntarily this time I've uh, fallen into that hole. I've I only have you know maybe eight hours left to go, and I made some choices for my family um, to do some things that affected all of us instead of completing my, my pilot training, um, and, and renovations to the house and stuff like that. Uh, so I decided to take my extra money that I had, put it towards that cause. Um, but it hasn't, it hasn't stifled my, my passion for aviation by any means. Um, listening to a lot of the podcasts and talking to you guys and Twitter and, you know, my transponder, I'm just jonesing to get back in the saddle. But, um, you know, I hear people's stories and like, oh, man, I want to go try that or I want to just finish my ticket or um, some of you guys have seen uh, Captain Ron, Ron Klutz. He's actually literally a 45 minute, a 45 minute flight away from me into the into the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, he's been talking oh, close. You can knock that out. I'm like, dude, you're not telling me anything I don't know already. <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, as as I, was, I was talking to Chris offline, it's, uh, you know. I'll probably have to add a couple hours just to get refresh, you know, a little bit of refresher, you know, knock some rust off. But uh, it, it uh, I, I definitely want to get back into it. But this was a decision that I had to make. It was just uh, for the benefit of the family, and so that's what I've been doing. Uh, besides a lot of work, and uh, I, I figured it was, you know, it's, it's kind of that adage: if, if as as long as mom is happy, everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's mm-hmm. kind of where this went. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, so. I, I hung out with Ron um, a little bit at uh, at Oshkosh. Um, talked to him for quite a while, actually. Nice guy. That's very cool. And and this this whole project, actually, we had two big projects happen here at the house, but that was also the reason that I couldn't go to Oshkosh, um, which 
killed me because I started listening to like Potapalooza and all the quick casts, and I'm like, damn it, I needed to be there. <laughs> I'm assuming by all the quick casts you mean everyone but ours. Yeah. Well, oh, I, I heard ours. I heard yours. Ours. It wasn't during Oshkosh. <laughs> but uh, but the one Most I heard of the one rest thing, of them weren't either. I heard one That's quick true. cast today that they when they I, I guess there was a a flyby with Fifi. And in trail were poor were four Mustangs. And it's I was like, I was like, how do you how do you not get to see that? You know, mm. I mean, that's a once in a lifetime deal. And hopefully, somebody's got some really cool HD video of that floating around. You know, the the other once in a lifetime deal was watching all of us get on top of this tiny little hill to watch Fifi, and then <laughs> watching us all try to figure out how the hell to get back down. <laughs> and it's all muddy. No, it wasn't muddy at that point. It was before it rained, but it, oh, was, I it was uh, after. No, it was a pretty steep hill, and we got up there, and we're like, oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. Because um, it was a bunch of us, and I actually have a couple of pictures in my thing of, of everybody with their cameras out on top of this hill taking pictures as Fifi flew over. It was really cool. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was what would you say, four or five Mustangs? They and were, a, I, and I like a Cessna. Four, yeah. And a Cessna, what, a little what kind of Cessna? chip. I don't know. It was like a 172, 182 doing photo. Oh. Oh, just doing photo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> I'm really like going, yeah. <laughs> how does that fit It was in? cool, though. <laughs> exactly. You, you, Boeing, North American, and Cessna. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the Civil Air Patrol representative. There it is. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's got to count for something. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we definitely missed you this year. I, I'm I'm trying to to make it so that I can go next year. Um, I like I said early on before, I had approval to go, but this was a, a conscious decision that uh, I, I needed to take care of other other things first. So, hopefully, all my uh, my pictures and ranting and raving about it after I got home and and nonstop talk of it for days on end have uh, um, excited my uh, family to want to uh, go all together as a family next year. That would be cool. That would be cool. I, I, it's just the logistics of that, you know, is would be difficult because I don't want to do do uh, Oshkosh at a hotel after camping it. I the only way to do it is to camp it as far as I'm concerned, and uh, to come there from driving there from Arizona. Not really interested in doing that. Um, that's two days by itself. Um, I'd rather have those two days on the field than in the car. Make that four days because it's got to be a round trip. You know, so like how many days off work can you take in a row? Well, John, John can take apparently 10 or 12 or something. I don't know how. <laughs> Not like I got paid for him. <laughs> oh, it wasn't exactly paid vacation. I see. I don't I don't get vacation or sick time. So I worked oh, yeah. my ass off and I'll bleep that out. <laughs> I worked my ass off in July, um, July and June and even in August. So I could make up all of that time. And I did. I made up all of it. Yeah, I remember but I had to were... work. I had to long hours previous to getting there. Uh, yeah, I had to work all of the hours that I missed up. So it wasn't uh I didn't get any time off. Yeah. <laughs> technically. <laughs> well, by you by you being there, you made it easy for me and I appreciate that for sure. Um I uh I yeah, I just don't know what to do. It's almost like let's see we fly there commercially and then rent an RV. And camp it there, maybe. I mean, now we're talking lots yeah. of money, lots of money. So I don't know. Start uh, start saving my pennies now, I guess, huh? Well, you just got that new job, so you know. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, change jobs, but uh, for the for pretty much the same money. Oh. Sort of. I mean, there's there's a different way of thinking about it. If if I was to stay at IBM, um, come January, I was going to lose nineteen thousand two hundred dollars. So uh, wow. Now by moving to my new job, and I kept my same uh, same money I was making. So now I'm not losing that money. So very very thankful thankful for that. You know what you need? More money. You need you need the plane crazy down under tent. <laughs> I know, right? It's it's a, it's available for whoever needs one, and that's a good family sized tent right there. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's actually more of a platoon sized tent. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a ten person tent. It might even be battalion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what else, um, Brad? You've been uh, keeping up on your IFR training, right? Yeah, I've been trying. Uh, I've got. A, I'm up to uh, a little over 15 hours, um, doing lots of crazy, uh, crazy training techniques. Um, if you ever want to get out there and and work hard, uh, go out with your instructor and get under the hood. And uh, what we did, um, we grabbed another CFII who had uh, just finished from a a 141 school, and we went out and uh, did some stuff that he was ch- teaching when he was uh, doing his working with students on, with a CFII. Um, so we we started out and we just we went I put the plane you know going due north and then he said okay just rotate between north and west and just go back and forth standard rate turns between north and west okay you know this is easy you know every every uh, thirty seconds you you turn back and he said okay now you're doing that. Uh, while you're doing that, I want you to climb and descend from 3,500 to 4,000 feet. And of course, that doesn't go at the same rate as your turn, right? It's it's not 30 seconds each way. So you're, you know, you you'll get to the point where it's west, and you've got to turn east or start heading back north, rather. And then, um, you know, somewhere in there, you've got to change the pitch of the plane. So now the plane's pointing down, and you're doing the descent. And so now you're juggling. Uh, the the pitch attitude as well as the the maintaining a constant rate turn, and so I got that down. You know, kind of got things under control. And he said, "Okay, now I want you to do that while maintaining 85 knots through the climbs and descents." Through the climbs so now, and descents. <laughs> yeah. So 85 knots the whole time. So you've got the throttle, the pitch, the pitch, the trim wheel, and the roll all going at the same time and your eyes are just all over the instruments, right? And, and and this whole thing is to get your scan down. So now you're using every single instrument on the panel. Um, and, and it had to be a 500 foot per minute constant rate uh, climb and descent while all this is going on. So I'm, you know, now I'm working. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a, it's a great way to get your scan down and it's a great way to get you know, kind of used to doing panel work and, and used to doing things that you're going to have to do while you're flying an approach. Cause there's all these times when you've got to, when you've got to have a constant descent and, and they tell you to maintain a certain airspeed because there's a jet coming in behind you and they need you to keep your speed up. And, and so you've got to be juggling all this stuff at the same time. Um, so it was a really good exercise, but man, it, it really kicked my butt. <laughs> that, that was a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> that does. Yeah, I'd have a headache by the end of that flight. I already have a headache. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just listening to it. 
so you know you can grab your CFI and go under the hood and uh, and get a workout. Uh, uh, you'll be a you'll be a really good uh, you'll have a, a lot better uh, instrument skills by the time you're done. Your scan will be a lot better. <laughs> well, if if that's any indication, then I might be a, a a good instrument student because I actually as a doing the private pilot stuff under the hood, I actually do really well with that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, hopefully that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 the indicator that you want, right? That's, be- be- you because know. I mean, you, you get a good pattern going with your with your scan on the basically the six pack, and and I'm very focused on that. You know, it's it's almost like playing sim the simulator too too much, mm-hmm. you know, because you're used to looking at the at the gauges and okay, I need to keep my, you know, keep this altitude, keep this airspeed, and and I I don't know, maybe that's yeah, kind of cool. That's the, that's the <laughs> essence of it. You know, it's and then while you're doing all of that, you got to read the plate and dial the radios. Um, but uh, you know, once you kind of get it down, it's not that hard. But uh, man, it, it's it's some work to get there. Um, other than that, you know, we did the the usual ILS and GPS and NDB uh, kinds of approaches, um, and just learning, you know, all these different techniques for getting to the airport. Um, we did one. Um, uh, it's called a zero zero takeoff. So if if you're flying in an in an airline or uh, an air charter kind of an operation, uh, there are takeoff minimums uh, where the the visibility and the ceiling have to be such a such and such an amount before you're allowed to take off from that airport. For Part 91, the kind of flying that we do, just private general aviation kinds of stuff, there are no takeoff minimums. You can take off in whatever you want. And so this was a simulated zero-zero takeoff, which means uh, zero height to the cloud deck, basically, you know, fog all the way to the to the ground, and zero um, miles of visibility down the runway. So what we did is we went out, lined it up on the runway, and uh, put on the hood, and then uh, my instructor just said, "Okay, um, keep it on this heading on the DG, and go." And so I'm staring at the panel. I got the hood on. I can't see outside. And I'm racing down the runway. You know, you can feel the plane picking up speed, and you're like really focused on the directional gyro, right? You really do not want to turn because uh, you don't have very far to go (laughs) before you're off in the grass. That's scary. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I'm I'm never going to do this ever. <laughs> yeah, if I can't see, I'm not going. They're like, yeah, that's kind of the right answer. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah, I will never ever do that. Um, and then one other thing that I would think long and hard about doing, we we also did in that flight, which was a um, a night circle to land. Uh, and so when you're when you're doing an instrument approach, you know, they oftentimes there aren't approaches for every runway on the field. Uh, in fact, the airport that I fly out of, uh, Crystal, which is uh, Mike India Charlie, they only have approaches to runway one four left, and there are four runways on the field, uh, and they obviously they go in opposite directions. So there's one four left, one four right, three two left, three two right, two four left and right, and six left and right. And uh, so the approaches will only get you to the end of one four left, and if the wind is going out of the northwest, for example, you don't want to land with a tailwind, so you have to somehow get to the other end of the runway and land. Uh, and they call this procedure circle to land. Um, so everybody here knows their VFR 
minimums. What's the minimum ceiling for VFR? Where? Uh, 500 feet. Eh. In class G. What? In class G. 1,000 feet. Yeah, 1,000 feet, right, for for standard controlled airspace VFR. Um, And you need how much visibility? Three miles. Three. Three miles. There you go, yep. So you need 1,000-foot ceilings and three miles of visibility. Well, with this, you can have 500-foot ceilings and one mile visibility, or actually I think you can even get down below one mile uh, to do circle. And then you, so you're flying along, you're flying towards the end of, let's say, 1-4 left, and you break out of the clouds and you can see the runway, but now you have to get around to the other side of the runway and fly like a little mini pattern and do a base and a final uh, and land at the other end um, at the wrong altitude because you're not at traffic pattern altitude. You're at maybe 500 feet above ground level. And you can barely see the runway because it's all misty and gray and cloudy and it's and uh, and it's night. Uh, so you're having a hard time distinguishing which runway it is that you're supposed to end up on. Um, and you can't stall the airplane and auger it in. Uh, this is another thing to put on your list of things to think really hard about before you try it, uh, especially if you're the only pilot in the airplane. You know, with with two pilots, you can have somebody watching the the uh, helping you watch the airspeed indicator and those kinds of things while you're trying to watch stare at the runway or vice versa. Um, but if it's just you trying to do all this stuff at a weird height with without a clear view of the runway or with it kind of you know fading in and out and kind of patchy. Um, that that's that's exciting. So something else to try. Go go yeah. fly the pattern at 500 feet. So have you uh, done any of your instrument uh, uh, training with um, safety pilot let yet, or has it all been with uh, CFI? It's all been with CFII, uh, at least one, sometimes two. <laughs> um, uh, actually, a couple of, couple of times two CFIs just for actually three times. I've had three separate pairs of CFIs in the plane with me. Uh, if I count it all up, and what did you uh, do wrong? And that yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's enough. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting to the point where I've got enough hours where I might start just grab a safety pilot and go. Um, and I've got a couple of my neighbors who are pilots, and I may. Uh, see if any of them want to go up sometime, and uh, then I can just go flying and f- shoot approaches and uh, and just build time. Uh, I'm getting comfortable enough now where I I feel like I know what I'm doing. I can read the plates. I can fly the procedure pretty pretty well, um, and I just need the practice. So I may start doing that. Cool. One other fun thing that we did. Um, uh, uh, my CFII and and one of his buddies and I, another CFII and I, we were flying around, and I needed to build cross-country time. For the rating, I need 50 hours of cross-country PIC. And unlike when you're working on your private, when, when you're working on your private and you have an instructor in the right seat, you can't log that as PIC time. You can only log solo time as PIC. And, but with uh, an instrument rating, I can log all of my time is PIC. And if we fly cross-country, then I can log it as PIC cross-country, and I need 50 hours of this. So we tend to fly off to some faraway airport, shoot a couple of approaches there, touch down at least once, and then um, we'll uh, fly someplace else. Uh, So he picked out an airport, uh, the prettiest little airport I've ever seen, 
Uh, it's uh, Delta 32. It's in Starbuck, Minnesota, which is kind of on the western, uh, close to the western border of Minnesota near the Dakotas. And we flew out there, and it's a 2,500-foot grass strip that's across the street from uh, a beach on the this nice pretty little lake uh, with a restaurant right there. And so we flew in there, uh, got to land on the nice smooth grass uh, runway, and then uh, had dinner and got back in the plane and flew back and uh, did my circle to land at night. And I went, wow, that's scary. Um and uh, it was just a really nice time. So a couple of weeks later, I brought uh, um, the wife and kids out there uh, to check it out. And of course, by the time I got them there, it was uh, I think it was like 58 degrees. <laughs> so there wasn't going to be much swimming that day, but but it was okay. Good deal. That's what I look forward to. Yeah, those are those are nice flights. It was stable. It rained. Um, I, this is the first. Two times I've flown in the rain before. Um, it was VFR, uh, but uh, I'm just motoring along, and all of a sudden it starts getting wet, and it's like raining on the plane. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Um, but you know, I had a good idea of what the radar looked like, and I had gotten my briefings, and I had uh, I could I had 10 miles of visibility even through the rain. So that, but it was just interesting. I'd never done that before. I just did that. Um, did you last Saturday? Um, I did it rains there. Yeah, I know. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. I could actually see, you know, how the clouds are dripping a little bit off in the distance. And, uh, sure enough, you know, it starts getting wet all over the place and it was pretty cool. Maybe it was just Virga. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if it's actually hitting the ground or not from where I'm at, but we were out in the middle of nowhere, south, uh, south, of, south of Chandler. And, um, and uh, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. But then all of a sudden, just very, very turbulent, tons of, of, of downdrafts type of thing. And so mm-hmm. I, I immediately just did a 180 and said, okay, we're going back the other direction and just got out of it. It was, uh, it was not fun at all. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, but like you, you know, 10 miles of visibility and it was, you know, I, probably more like 30 miles of visibility. It was just wide open, just kind of a patch of that that just opened up all of a sudden. The other thing that I did uh, was I uh, I realized that I had uh, enough hours to start working on my uh, arrow checkout to get my complex uh, endorsement. Oh, nice! nice. Uh, so I uh, grabbed another uh, yet another CFII and uh, started doing the arrow checkout. And you know, there's only two more levers, right? You've got gear and you've got uh, prop. Prop, prop. The, yeah. the, it's a lot. <laughs> well, well, now your Gump's check actually is complete. It makes yeah. sense now. <laughs> now you're not just saying it for the sake of saying it. You're doing something at that time. Yeah, yeah. no, it's or, it's a lot to think about. You you know you're like you're doing your takeoff and you and you pitch up and you're like, all right, you know, and you start thinking about when am I going to make my turn and all that. And it's like, no, you got to bring the gear up. Oh, yeah. Okay, got to get the gear up. Okay, and then you know you get up and you're like, okay, I got to. What do I do? How do I get the throttle and and props set up for a cruise climb? And yeah, it's it's there's a reason they call it a complex. And um, that, but now you now you got a mani- manifold pressure gauge. Yeah, I got a manifold pressure and fuel flow gauge mm-hmm. um, to to look at as I'm as I'm starting to do do things. And you've got to you want to adjust you know as you're as you're coming down in in speed you know coming out of the the initial climb out you want to go basically left to right. You want to go throttle first, then prop, and then lean 
the mixture out. Mm. Uh, oh, a different starting sequence. The the starting sequence is all screwed up because it's a fuel injected engine. Oh. Um, and I'm used to only flying carbureted engines, so I'm like, "Where's the primer?" It's like, "No, no, it's that red knob over there." Uh, you used to call it the mixture. Well, <laughs> now it's the primer. So you you know you turn on the fuel pump and you go full prime or full full rich, and then you bring the mixture back, and then with the mixture on idle cutoff, you start the engine. This is weird. Yeah, <laughs> not used to this. You're yep. st- starting the engine at idle cutoff, huh? Yeah. Well, you, you put in a little bit, right? No. No, you don't do any? None. Oh, weird. We still put in, well, I mean, like I said, we have the turn thing, so we do three half turns just to oh, open it up weird. just a little bit. Yeah. Just crack it open. And then as soon as it catches, full rich. Yeah, the other thing, you know, you, you'd think, you look at if you look at an arrow, it looks just, it looks like a straight, like an archer. Looks exactly like an archer, just with funny, you know, wheel pants. Um, it, it has, well, first of all, it has 36 gallons a side. So you get 72 gallons of fuel in the thing. Mm. Um, and this big, heavy engine with a big, heavy prop on the front, it taxis like a pig. <laughs> and so I'm like, this is really weird. I can't even hardly taxi this thing to the end of the runway to do my run up. And, uh, you get it up in the air and it glides exactly like a manhole cover. <laughs> just, he's like, you need to stay close to the airport, so we're in gliding distance. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm within gl- easy gliding distance. Not in this, you're not. <laughs> like, oh great. <laughs> so, so it's basically an an uh, archer with retractable gear thrown on it, right? So it's got like a 400 pound useful load. It's got. <laughs> it's got well, bigger, it's got, bigger motor it's, too. It's got a bigger engine. Yeah, yeah some of them don't have the bigger engine. I thought and it's got like nothing for useful load. Yeah, the Arrow Two, Arrow One, and Arrow Two, I think, have the 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 O three sixty, the carbureted one eight uh, hundred and eighty horse. Yeah, and then they went. Well, this is an Arrow Three, and it's got the two hundred horse um, fuel injected engine. So does yeah. that mean you're getting your high performance as well? No, because it has to be two hundred and one. For high oh, I thought it was, <laughs> and that's why they're two hundred. <laughs> There's no planes with two hundred and one horsepower. <laughs> um, so, so now I'm cursed. I want to make that now. <laughs> the downside of this, uh, the downside of flying this aircraft is I'm cursed <laughs> because it's so similar inside to the Archer. Yeah. Uh, he's like, you will forget that you're flying this airplane. And you will land it, gear up. No, you won't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> and so, I mean, there is there are safeties in it that if you if you get below twelve inches of manifold pressure, or if you get below about seventy five knots, it will. It will at 12, below twelve inches of pressure, it will beep and blink a light at you. Okay. And then, if you get below roughly seventy ish knots, it will drop the gear. Oh, auto gear, love it. Yeah, in fact, one of the guys. <laughs> How does club, that? Hmm? So, if you're doing like stalls or something, are you doing that with gear down? You, if you're doing power off stalls, yeah, you're doing it with gear down. Um, you can disable it. Okay. Uh, in fact, you have to disable it for doing a short field takeoff. Uh, the auto gear extension, because when you're taking off on a short field, you know if you have to pull up a little bit extra to get over those trees, and you slow down, the plane will go. 
oh, you're below, you know, 75 knots. Here, I'll help you out and drop the gear. And then you'll definitely be in the tree. Okay. Um, so, so now I'm cursed because of this. I, I, because I'm, because I'm a human being and I'm not smart enough to remember when I'm flying a plane with retractable gear, regardless of what plane I'm flying, I now have to, on short final, go prop forward, three green to check that I've got the prop all the way forward in case I need to go around, even though I might be in, like tomorrow, I'll be in the Warrior, which doesn't have a constant speed prop. And I have to check for three green on the landing gear, even though, of course, the Warrior doesn't have retractable landing gear. Um, but I have to do it every time, just in case I am in the arrow, uh, so that I, I'm just in the habit, right? So every single time on short final, you're just you're doing this check every time uh, to make sure that you've got the gear down and... Uh, that you got the prop all the way forward in case you need to go around. Yeah, there was a, um, a YouTube video my friend showed me that was uh, um, a guy coming into land, and I think in his was like below 800 feet or something like that. He had the the noises going off all in the cockpit. You could hear it on the video, but they <laughs> never picked up on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you just see the plane come down and. You can hear the scraping, and you can see them both like uh, – and it was a guy in the backseat taping it, and he just looks out and looks at the ground with the camera, and it's like, ah. Uh, oh, no. Oh, man. See, now you regret having those fancy noise-canceling headsets. <laughs> well, ours actually no. goes to the intercom. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my, stall, stall horn, my stall horn does, but uh, yeah, I wonder if, uh, if it wasn't coming through there and it was just external. No, it's um, too high-pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, because the stall horn comes through, no problem. Mm, yeah, ours is about the same pitch, and the blinking light is right in front of your eyes. I mean, it's 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 next to the uh, annunciator panel, and it would be hard to miss. But yeah. uh, you know, one other funny thing that comes along with this, the uh, you know, it's a low wing aircraft, of course, and the uh, you've got fuel sumps underneath the wings on a on any of the Archer kinds of planes on any Cherokee, and this one's no different except that. Because you might do a gear up landing, they don't want those fuel sumps to come shearing off and dump fuel all over the place um, on a, on a runway that you're pulling metal across. Uh, so the fuel sumps are retracted up into the wing, and you have to. Have you ever? You guys have used a Gats jar to sump fuel. The the big the wide jar kind of looks like a shrunken Skippy no. peanut butter jar. <laughs> Probably instead of the long tube. Yeah, anyway, well, I use tube. a I use a glass jar. Well, I yeah. use the long tube, the big jar, and then the little ones. Someone yeah. stole our our last uh, device to sump fuel with, so we ended up looks like looks like a big baby food jar. <laughs> <laughs> well, this with no lid. This one, you have to flip the the end of your Gats jar over. The, the part that normally you would put up against the fuel sump, you have to flip it over to the part that has the metal pole, which I never knew what the metal pole was for, and it's for um, retractable low-wing aircraft where the fuel sumps are 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 uh, flush with the bottom of the wing. So this pin sticks up into the fuel sump um, on the inside of it, and the, the gas comes squirting out the bottom. Or at least you hope it's gas. Hmm. Wait a minute. Hang on. You're sticking the pin in the up into the fuel sump. Uh, how is that? There's another kind. 
Yes, it's not <laughs> the kind. It's not the kind that has the little pin that goes across the fuel sump that you push up with the and twist a little bit. Yeah, and twist a little bit. It's not like that. It's twist. The, there's just a little hole, and you have to stick this pin up. The yeah, hole. that's what I'm saying. There's another kind. How do you guys uh, usually do it? Oh, usually there's a, a a pin that goes across the base of the fuel sump, and you and your your sampling device, whether it's a Gats jar or, or whatever it is, pushes that pin up, and that opens a valve that lets the fuel out. Yeah. It goes up, and then a little bit twist to the left to release the fuel. Because the only yeah, one I've ever used is the ones you stick the pin just straight up and it comes out. Yeah. Oh, this I've doesn't work. This won't work for this type of sump, I don't think. Actually, okay. actually, the you know the the little long tubes and they have little notches in the top of them. They look like what are they? They look like little um, like biology sample type tubes or whatever you'd call them. I don't know, but at the very top they got little. Uh, notches in them so you could fit that little brass T or metal T mm-hmm. you know up in them so you can push it and twist a little bit for the fuel to flow into it yeah I'll take a picture of the one that's on the plane or John you or, or uh, Brad you can I'm, yeah, I'm on Google now because <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused <laughs> see these guys know what I'm talking about yeah, yeah. There's a pin in it. It's the only kind that I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, so, okay, Cessna guy. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, 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 descriptions could be confusing me. I may be, like, really confused. I don't know, but... When you get checked out in an archer, you'll know. <laughs> I'll take a little video happen. of my Gats jar and me flipping the the thing over. All right, how do you spell that? Gats? Just G. Golf, Alpha, Tango, Sierra. And moving on. <laughs> well, walking. John figures it out. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty much done. I'm going to go flying tomorrow in the Warrior and uh, try to get closer to, to 20 hours. Nice. Moving right along quickly. You got a good pace going there, uh, Brad. Uh, yeah, good for the podcast too. And by that I mean me editing it. <laughs> good for the listeners, so they don't Look, have to get too bored. I'll get to the other one eventually. I swear. <laughs> Episode 16, huh? It'll be there. So it's plastic on top? Mine's yes. all metal. Um the, the the pins metal, the protrusion from the uh from the I actual talking about the Gats jar. Oh, the jar. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm at the top, but yeah, the little piece that goes up is just plastic and it's shaped to grab this little T-bar that goes across the bottom of the sump. He's just not going to let this go. And it no. sticks down like that. Weird. <laughs> no, see what I use is something similar to that, like the jar thing you're talking about, but it's got the pin on the top. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know these existed. Well then, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, because what happens is, is like I have this little. It looks it's like a shot glass with the pin in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm looking right? at it right now. It's a, yeah, a, ASA fuel testing cup. Okay, so it's the teeny little one, right? Well, we have 13 freaking fuel sumps. What? Yeah, don't you love those? What? So. Yeah, no, there's 13 on the the new 172s. Not like the the old P versions only have three. One under each wing and then one under the um, nose. We have three under the nose and five under each wing. So trying to do it with that little cup, it's obnoxious. Luckily, we usually either have the long, thin, it looks like a, um, uh, some kind of tube I'm thinking of. 
Um, All right, I sent out a link to an aircraft spruce page that has samples. <laughs> okay. But, um, and then we have a thing like this Jagad's jar, but with the pin on the top. And otherwise, it'd be impossible to do it all in any timely manner. Wow, 13. But I'm just. <laughs> that's, so, that's insane. We, we yeah, have what? Three. I three. have three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, the peas that I used to fly have three, but the um, I think it was when I switched the fuel injected ones, um, like the 172 SP, they have 13. Wow, I can be done with my entire wa- uh, walk around before you're done sumping your fuel. Yeah, you get quick with it. Yeah, I guess and you don't have to get in a ladder to climb up and look at the fuel quantity either. <laughs> I'm just this is bizarre. Anyhow, <laughs> so what have you been up to, Chris? Uh, well, as far as Flying goes since uh, since since Oshkosh. Um, I've had three flights. I flew on the uh, August nineteenth uh, by myself, solo, just doing some uh, touch and goes and stuff, just trying to get, uh, as you say, shake the rust off. And then on the twenty first, I went out with my CFI on a short little cross country, um, basically redoing uh, the cross country that uh, I did on the check ride. Um, so I just be more comfortable with it for the next time. And you know what? I I had, before I did that, I did it on on Flight Simulator, and uh, I did it twice on Flight Simulator. So I'd have it down pat, knowing what I'm looking at on the ground and so forth. Um, basically, on on the on the on my check ride, I goofed up by just um, um, not not uh changing to my course heading soon enough um i was i was basically on the same heading that i was on on downwind uh for too long before i turned right to my heading of 285 or whatever it was at the time um so as i was on as i was headed in the right direction i was about i don't know a couple two or three miles south maybe not quite that far uh, maybe a couple miles south of my parallel position that I should have been in, but to my right, uh, north. Um, so basically, you know, I screwed up my check ride by not being on target like I, su- I should have. One of one of my one of my um, reporting points that I put down was going to be um, the uh, Chrysler proving grounds, and I passed a proving grounds and thought that was Chrysler, but it wasn't. It was, I think it was probably Volvo, and I should have known just by the the look of it, they look completely different, but I was so frazzled at that point already from my CFI that uh, I said, okay, and I was right on time with what I should have been, but these two, these two, uh, um, uh, these two uh, test tracks are, uh, you know, close together anyways, and if you're on t- on top of one, you can almost see the other one from the air. So, so I should have been over to the right more. So, anyways, I'd redone the, redone my check ride on Flight Simulator and kind of got it in my head exactly where I should be, when I should be, and so forth. So, went out with my um, instructor and did that same uh, cross country and just nailed it that time, no problem. I'm not going to have a problem doing it next time. Um, so the pilotage and dead reckoning, all good there. And then we and then we. Um, was going to practice some short field landings because that was one of the things I was deficient on. Um, I had floated and floated and floated. Basically, I didn't have my sight picture in my head. Now, here's here's one of those things that kind of got me ticked off again. So I'm flying with my instructor, and she's trying to tell me um, 
where I need to be pointing and so forth. But I'm like going, well, Jackie, I'm trying to do a short field landing here, and my marker is the 1,000-foot marker. I, I need to land beyond that. That's what Bruni had me do. She goes, oh, okay, well, you know, wherever she, she wants you to land, she goes, and then I have to have it down within 200 feet. She goes, oh, the way she was explaining it to me is that I had to stop um, within 200 feet. And I'm like going, no, 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 that's not the way I'm supposed to be doing this. I, I didn't pass this because I didn't get it down within 200 feet. Yes, you have to stop as soon as you can, but the PTS does not say that you have to have it stopped within 200 feet. You have to have it have your wheels on the ground, pass the marker given within 200 feet, and then do your best to, to uh, come to um, a full stop or uh, slow it down to where it's controllable so you can get off the get off the runway as soon as possible. Um, so I'm like going, wow, does she does she know exactly what a short field landing is supposed to be according to the PTS? And she's trying to tell me like, well, some people want it this way. I'm like, well, I'm like going, no. It doesn't matter what some people want. It's what the PTS says. Exactly. I, I'm like going, doggone it. You know, I'm starting to get upset here a little bit. So anyways, I'm saying here's my marker. Here's what I'm shooting for. So I did that enough times to know in my head kind of now what my sight picture should look like, where I should aim in order to get my wheels down um, where I want them to come down at. So we did some of those and then um, flew back to Deer Valley, did a slip. Uh, which was kind of ugly. It wasn't a great slip. I was a little uh, um, uh, off center, uh, quite a bit off center from from the runway from where where I wanted to be. I I need to go, actually go practice that now. That that's really something that I need to go focus on um, next time I go fly. Is just go get in the pattern and and practice four or five slips. So so that was on the on the twenty first, and then I flew uh, last week on the third. Um, flew over to uh, uh, Chandler and and I like doing that. I like to transition Bravo across to uh, uh, Phoenix and I did that. Flew over to Chandler and um, flew around south of Chandler a little bit in the southwest practice area, which I'm not familiar with because I fly in the northwest practice area. And like I said, it ran into a little bit of rain and but uh, promptly got out of that and did some more touch and goes and short field landings and stuff um, over there at Chandler. There was a uh, a pits uh, in the pattern doing touch and goes, and it was it was fun to watch, man. He would uh, he would like turn like 90 degrees from uh, base to final, and then just like dive for the deck. <laughs> it's just crazy watching this guy uh, do touch and goes in that thing. Uh, looks like fun, but uh, airspeed is definitely your friend in a pits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering what the. Uh, Wonder what his uh, landing speed is in one of those things. Probably close to 80 knots, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, but I know those things glide like I don't know, freaking anvil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He would drop. He would drop. You know, four or five hundred feet in a couple of seconds uh, to to put it on the tarmac. <laughs> so um, after that, just uh, went back to Deer Valley and. Uh, uh, planted one there and it was all good and so anyways I'm think I'm I think I'm pretty much ready to to retake um the test now I just need money <laughs> I'm broke again so <laughs> I got to get me some side work and uh, get some money in the pocket again so I can so I can retest so my my idea is to um go up one more time with my CFI um just to 
just to practice the uh, um, uh, slips and maybe even uh, do a practice, you know, um, diversion loss procedure thing. Um, if you guys want, I, I took a picture of my my uh, notice of disapproval. I'll uh, oh, I'll, th- I'll throw it up online. Oh. Throw it up online so you can see it in all its glory. <laughs> the pink slip. Mm-hmm, my so pink now, slip. so now on on the uh, the Potapalooza segment that I heard you talking about, you you've chosen not to get a different DPE. Yeah, no way. I ain't gonna go through that. I, so because uh, you know what she wants, right? Yeah, that's why I told her. I said, I said, she said, yeah, you know, Chris, no hard feelings. If you want to get a different DPE, and I'm, and I just kind of interrupt her. I was, I was like, oh hell no, um, I said, I'm not going through this again. I said, I, you know, I'm not going to end up with another DPE who has a different idea of how starting the plane should go and how uh, leaving the pattern should go and this and that. You know, I was taught a one a certain way, so that's the way I done it in front of you. Now that I know what you want, I can replicate that. I'm good at following directions. You tell me what you want, I can do it. You know, but if I don't know what you want, I'm just going to go with the way I was taught. You understand? And I said that back to her, and she goes, "Yes, yes." I said, "So I will be choosing you again." So, um, four hundred bucks the first pop. It's two hundred bucks to retest. Ouch! So, so the retest is just the things that is listed on the application as as uh, uh, disapproved. So. So it says That's upon re- reapplication, you will be reexamined on the following, and then it lists them. Well, that's good. At least it can be a, a, a quick flight. Go out and knock those things out and be done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was um, on on our, on our the check ride, you know, uh, several things went fine, and I did real good. Uh, you know, one of the things that I was scared to death of was under the hood and uh, and recovering from unusual attitudes and this and that. And um, that was one of the things that I did really good. I didn't get sick because I, I, got, I got a little sick with Jackie the first time that we did that. But uh, with Bruni, it was no problem. She even thought she was funny and pulled the uh, breaker to the, uh, to the um, alternator uh, while I was under the hood. And um, I straightened out, leveled, and she goes, okay, it's your plane. I go, it's my plane, and I, and I leveled leveled the plane out and then pushed the button in. I didn't say a thing. I just kept flying the plane, you know. <laughs> nice. So she had mentioned to me on the debrief and everything how that was good. And, this, and um, you know, one thing that I don't know if it was a test or if it was just her, but and, and I, you might have heard this. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast or not, but. I think I did. We're headed back into uh, Deer Valley Airport to land uh, after after that debacle, and uh, it was really really busy. And I made my calls, and I didn't get a reply. And um, I start slowing down, and she's like, "Why are we slowing down?" And she actually grabbed the throttle and pushed it forward. And um, <laughs> now that I think about that, I should have slapped her hand, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Not really, but um, you know, because I'm pilot in charge, not her. Um, if I want to, if I want to do 65 knots all the way back to the airport, that's my prerogative. Um, yeah. But I was, yeah. I was getting, um, I was under 10 miles and moving at 100 knots, you know. And he hasn't replied back to me yet, and I can tell that they're super busy. I'm in the air. There's a, uh, um, there's a, what was it? A, a twin. Um, I forget some sort of uh, what was it? 
King Air. Is that a prop? A King, King Air. A King Air. Um, right around me and another one uh, going into land and stuff and so anyways I called Deer Valley again and they said Archer 354 Mike Alpha stay outside of Bravo or, or stay outside of Delta till we contact you again so I'm like see and I told her I said I'm going to start circling here in a minute uh, Bruni if she if they don't get back to me and so anyways I I called him he called me back and I said there we go so I start doing some uh, some figure eights out there waiting for him to get back in touch with me and I called him up again. I said, uh, Deer Valley Tower, Four Mike Alpha is still outside uh, um, Delta doing figure eights, waiting for clearance, you know, just let them know I'm still here waiting. Don't forget me. And then they finally let me in, and I, and I got in there. But, uh, you know, I I don't want to bust, bust Delta, especially, especially with my, uh, you know, DPE on board. So, anyways, I don't know if that was some sort of test with her or what the deal was or if she – you know, plays it a little closer to the cuff and knows that, well, if I get within six miles, I'll just start turning, even though I was eight miles out. You know, you're going to be within six miles, you know, pretty soon. So just slow down. No, that was a good call. So anyways, I I, I think, you know, yeah, next time um, I just have uh, short field landings to redo. Um uh, pilot edge dead reckoning um, diversion and loss procedures during the cross country and um, and that's it so like I said I'll take a picture of the pink pink slip and post it on uh, Twitter there so you guys can see it so you can see what it looks like <laughs> I hope it I, I hope it's the only time I ever see one yeah right exactly you'll know what not <laughs> show to, notes not to, not to shoot for. <laughs> oh don't worry it'll be there yeah <laughs> So when are you going to go up next? Uh, I don't know. Whenever I, like I said, I got to get some money in my pocket because 200 bucks to give to her plus the flight plus the fuel. Plus I want to fly one more time before we do this. Um, sure. So I need I need about six or 700 bucks in my pocket, and I've only got about 150 right now, so <laughs> I'm short. Anybody else doing anything in the air on the ground? I did. What'd you did? I flew. With who? You know how to fly? Apparently. I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You were I just kind of grabbed a plane one day, and you know. I thought your arms were tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I managed to get up once, um, just before. Was I almost out of currency? I, it was like the week. Um, and I basically found, uh, my friend Tim is doing his IFR at the flight school I'm at. And I was talking to him about some stuff and he's like, oh, well I got to do, um, some, uh, oh my, oh, SIM. He's like, I got to do some SIM time. Uh, cause my instructor canceled on me over the weekend. He's like, so you can grab the plane if you want. Cause I hadn't been able to grab a plane for about two and a half months. Wow. Um, mainly because I was kind of waiting for the other plane that had the prop strike to come back online. It never really did. And then I was like, well, I need to get up this week. So I tried to find a little bit of time. I didn't find enough to do take my brother up um, and do the flight that I wanted to do with him. So when Tim offered me the plane on, on a Tuesday, I was like, uh, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so swapped on the schedule. I 
basically bolted out of work early, went up. I called my friend. I'm like, what are you doing tonight? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, we're going flying. He's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so grabbed my friend on the way up to the airport, picked him up, went up, um, and just kind of went up, did a um, short hop over the bay, went over to um, uh, almost to Dover, Delaware, just kind of putzing around the, the um, uh, eastern shore of Maryland. And then came back. I did my three landings, and uh, that was about it. Um, it was great weather, um, and I think my friend really enjoyed himself. It was his first flight. Um, cool. And I let him out the controls for a second, and then I noticed that everyone I've ever taken up, and it's not a matter of being left-handed or right-handed or holding the wheel with one hand or two hands or whatever. Every single time. Slight bank to the right. <laughs> Very slight. I don't know what it is. Like, they think they're going straight. And I'm like, you're not going straight, man. <laughs> I'm like, you're clearly in a slight bank to the right. <laughs> so I don't know what that was. But every every person I've taken up has done that. That's actually taken the wheel. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of cool. Last minute. Um, it's kind of the first time I, I just went up and just started um kind of without too much of a plan like i knew where i was going over to the practice area and we were gonna putz around over there and you know i know the airspace very well and obviously got brief and all that kind of stuff but um about as non-planned out as i will ever try you know i mean it's obviously it's where i did most of my flight training um so you know it's not a big deal heading over the practice area, but it was, uh, it was kind of a lot of fun just being able to just hop in the plane and go and just kind of sit there thinking, all right, well, we'll head over to Dover, <laughs> come back and do my landings. And it was cool. Excellent. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, probably won't get to go back up for a little while. See about getting some flight time for Christmas. That's what I keep open for too. <laughs> well, I was literally, um, I think Friday, that Friday that week was when I would be um, with my last day of currency. Oh, was it? Yeah. You're just no. knocking, it was on like, the, knocking on the door there of it, huh? I was like, I need to get up this week. Um, and yet again, I landed very well. Like, not perfect by any means, but like, it was decent landing. All three of them. <laughs> and I had a C-130 watching me. <laughs> Actually, that was the cool part. So, I um, there's a couple things I asked Ryan to repeat to me at certain phases of the flight. Uh, I think one of them was lights, camera, action. I said when we get, I, we're sitting there. I did the run up, and I'm I'm about to con. Uh, I contacted the tower, or I was about to contact the tower, and I said, look, I said when we get on the runway, I need to, you to yell to me, lights, camera, action. I was like, I don't care what you think about that right now. Just tell it to me. <laughs> she starts kind of making some quirks about it. I, I caught the tower and I was like, because the last time I flew, I forgot the camera. <laughs> so um, camera and some of the lights. Obviously, I have one. <laughs> but the action, I never forget. But I, I forgot the first part the first time. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. I'm like, you're going to tell me. <laughs> Because I always, I always, I think about it as I'm going up, I call the tower, I get cleared to take off, and I forget about it. It's within like a minute. 
<laughs> well, I don't understand it. And I forgot this time I was going to bring um, a, you know, I never forgot it in training or anything. It was just this one time I did it twice. And so I was going to take a post-it with me and write it on it and stick it right up on the, uh, um, right on the glare shield. But uh, I forgot to do that. So I yelled at my friend to do it. <laughs> You know they have these these things that are that are usually found in planes, even in rentals. They're called checklists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I look over the checklist. Obviously, I'm using it for the run up. But after the run up, you know, I stick it down because at that point I don't need it until I'm up. Apparently, you do. I was going to say, apparently, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but what kills me is, is I look at it. I look at the next page. I see the lights, camera, action. I go through everything. I think about it in my head. I call the tower and then I just forget. I forgot about it. And I, I did it twice in one flight. I'm, I'm guilty of it last week. Yeah. I, I got, actually flew I actually, all the way out of the Bravo with the with a CFII in the right seat with with it off. And they usually, if I've done it, they call me up because they'll say they'll look at the Tracon and they won't see it and they'll say, "Hey, can you uh, cycle your uh, transponder?" You'll cover and you'll be like, "Yeah, sure." Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I, I made it all the way out, tuned into the tower frequency, and nobody ever said anything. See, I was t- I'm tuned into the tower, and I'm in in the mode C veil, and nobody ever said anything to me. Yeah, I uh, so last Saturday I took off from Deer Valley. They released me immediately, so I can get a hold of uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor to get my approval to transition Bravo. And they're like going, "Say call sign or or say type aircraft again." All right, and you're where? They're like, we don't see you. Can can you check that? I'm like going, oh, crap. Yeah, let me power cycle the uh, – let me turn that uh, transponder on and off real quick. Hold on. Okay, it should be good now. Okay, we see you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my. That is the first time I ever, ever did that. I couldn't believe it. And it will be on, on the video. I did, nice. I, did, I do have video of uh, last week's uh, flight. So over to Chandler and back and including that mess up. And I've yeah. never, okay. ever forgot that. Okay, how often do you actually go get in the plane and find that it's still on? Uh, 30, 40% of the time it's still there. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of times, yeah. But, you know, unless there's a Tracon on the field, you can leave it on. And in, in fact, at some airports, you have to have it on in a, in a movement area. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with landing with it on and leaving it on. It's when you forget to turn it on. Well, yeah. That's that's part of your 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 um post landing checklist. Checklist. But, you know, I will I will admit that some CFIs stress the post landing more than others. Mhm. Um cuz it was actually uh, it was a decent while before I really got the hang of that and started thinking about doing it. So it wasn't immediate like some of the other checklists. It's kind of the one, the ones kind of like the shutdown where you're just like, eh, whatever, you know, that's like the gumps for me. It took me forever. And just, you know, I, I'm going to say recently and within recently, I'm going to I'm going to say within the last, you know, maybe 12 flights or so to where that is now routine for me where it didn't used to be. Yeah. See, I don't do the straight up gumps, and I need to more. I have a little bit, but I need to get into the habit of that more. But I'm very much uh, mixture full rich, lights all on, and seatbelts. Check seatbelts. And I know we went over this last time. I'm like crazy about checking seatbelts. Fuel in the fuel in the uh, fullest tank. 
Yeah, I picked up, I picked up the one from you, and I've I've implemented the oh, you're on one both. in my normal routine. Yeah, no, I, I especially during this play the whole time, I'm like, dude, um, give it a good tug. All right, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I was doing that to my uh, to my uh, DPE mark, tugging on her seatbelt once in a while, just to make sure, just to make sure she hadn't uh, unlocked it on me. <laughs> I let them, I let them do it themselves. But I visually watch them <laughs> and just make sure that it's good. Kind of like that. And uh, just, you know, hit your door a little bit with your shoulder. Just make sure it's closed <laughs> type of thing. Um, you yeah, know, because we have I, two doors in our plane. I reach over and <laughs> grab the door. Um, but the other thing um, on my flight that was interesting was... Um, so after the first landing, I went around. I was going around, and um, two warthogs took off. Nice. So they gave me a uh, um, wake turbulence warning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. You know, I'll keep an eye out on that. But, you know, they're warthogs. It's not as as huge a thing. But, you know, I'll keep an eye out for it. So, you know, I did. I landed fine. I did my touch and go, came back, and then they cleared the C-130 to take off. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, because <laughs> I think they gave them a line up and wait or something behind me. So. Washington Wake Turbulence departing Cessna 172. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they give me another Wake Turbulence when I get back. Well, actually, first they were like, hey, um, you ready to turn crosswind yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah actually they gave that to me for the warthog um the, the pair of warthogs so then i get around they give me the you know they're like uh claustrum like turbulence departing c-130 i was like i know so, so they basically spent a grand on fuel wait for you to get out of the way <laughs> totally it's great and there was another one coming up and he actually had radio issues though which is why he was sitting there longer but so and this is right at sunset too that these guys are going up to do some of their work. Um but I get the I get I knew he they cleared him to take off and he said, you know, cosmic turbulence, you know, whatever. So I'm turning cross one at the time and I looked over at Ryan and I was like, dude, I need you to look and I need you to tell me exactly on the runway where he took off. And um so I'm on crosswind. As I'm on crosswind is when they cleared the C one thirty to take off. So I'm immediately turning downwind. Mm-hmm. By the time I can see the damn C-130, it's already 200 feet off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It's, it, it's like, like you can you can know where the thing took off, but a C-130 is going to outclimb your 172. Yeah. So you're still going to run into it unless you slide off to the upwind side of the runway. Well, luckily, this was my last landing. Uh, so I just had to get down before he took off, right? But, I mean, it's such a short – I mean, he take off, takes off as quick as I do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ridiculous. So, you know, we're, I'm, we're both sitting there, and he's like, uh, is that going to be an issue? He's like, I didn't see it. And I was like, it'll be fine. I'll explain why when we get on the ground. Because <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting there like, oh, man. So I'm sitting there going – I'm going through my head, the whole wake turbulence thing again. Um. Literally running through where I need to be, just kind of, and it was it was really good practice. I will admit, 
you know, I made it down fairly quickly. I didn't have any issues at all. Um, and since I wasn't doing a touch and go, that helped a lot because at first I'm thinking I'm doing touch and go. And then I was like, wait, this is my third. I can stop. Mm-hmm. Like as long as, you, as long as you don't have to go around. Yes. But I already had it in my mind. Um, what was going on though going around here is kind of you got to be way off i've got six thousand feet of runway of course e- even if you were midfield by the time you got down it's already a good two or three minutes so most of it's going to be settled anyway mm-hmm. yeah but it was really good to to have it gone through my head again um, sure i i thoroughly enjoyed that um but yeah that flight was a lot of fun it's cool to see some heavy iron with. It's cool to see some heavy iron in the pattern, though. Um, I was glad that I was finishing when they were taken off, because being in the pattern with them, not so fun. <laughs> Nervous. <laughs> you're you're firewalling it, and they're you know full flaps, full gear. I'm fire. I'm like sitting there, like doing three sixties for ten minutes while they're landing, like eight Ford hogs. It's. <laughs> It can, it can it can be obnoxious. I I I love having them on the field, but I hate having them flying when I am. <laughs> Take an intersecting runway. Um, do a land and hold short. You can do those now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I had another runway. <laughs> bah! Take a taxiway. <laughs> ATPs do it. Why not? <laughs> they take off on taxiways. Well, either one taxiway would already have them on it because that's their side of the field, and the other one is <laughs> all the King Airs and Citations taken off. So there's there's no win on that one. It, it would be nice if we had an intersecting runway, but it's just the one. one it five, probably six, wouldn't have yeah with with a with a six thousand foot main runway. Your crosswind runway isn't going to have enough room to land and hold short. And it's usually never bad. Um, we're almost always. A lot of times we're landing three three, and um, it's great because it's a nice little over over the water approach. Um, especially great getting straight in over the bay, um, which That'd is be the pretty. first one we got. It's awesome, and it's, it's nice fun to watch the passengers sweat as you get lower and lower and lower too. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's a lot of fun too because you get you get both the straight in approaches and the tower frequently, not the tower the um, pattern. Mm-hmm. So. That's why I really like being up here. It's just a little too expensive. Mm-hmm. We had an incident at the field a week or two ago. We've got, like I said earlier, we've got parallel runways, and uh, they cleared a guy into a left downwind for 3-2 right. So, you know, that, which is a little unusual. Usually if you're going to do a left downwind, it'll be for the left runway and a right downwind for the right run, runway. Well, they yeah. they cleared him for the left downwind for the right runway. And he landed on three two left. Whoops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, so that was the the incident was printed up and posted in our uh, club. Did did uh, they give my phone number? Oh yeah. Now he got an incident. I don't think I've ever. Uh, maybe no, I don't think I've ever been to parallel runways, an airport parallel runways. Mm. Well, uh, um. Which reminds me, so on my, uh, on my, let's see, my touch and goes I was doing on the 19th, my, uh, when I was solo before I saw my CFI for the first time, um, 
So I just going up and doing touch and goes. I did one touch and go. I was in the pattern on downwind, um, just getting ready to turn base, and um, someone in front of me. I was following a uh, a Seminole, uh, called the called the tower and told them that they just had a flat. And um, so I'm like, uh oh, uh oh. And so I'm, you know, I'm slowing down, slowing down, and and they asked him to repeat. They said, "Yeah, we have a flat." And they say, "Are you able to move?" They go, "No, nope, we're we're stuck right here. We ain't going anywhere." And they're like, "Okay." So they uh, told me to uh, um, call the tower on the other frequency for uh, seven left, and um, and extend my uh, extend my base to line up for seven left and contact them. So I did that, and then I then I was doing patterns over on seven left instead of seven right. And that's not a big deal, except for it's the short runway without the displaced threshold. And now all the traffic out of Deer Valley is trying to leave that runway. So it got to be kind of busy. So I um, did three more, three landings on that one and then uh, called it a day over there because it started getting just, my patterns were getting wider and wider. And I should be able to do about uh, seven to eight uh, landings in an hour. And I only got five in in uh, exactly one hour so but uh you know those things are cool sort of you know if, if you're paying attention and and listening so you're ready for that kind of transition to happen you know it's it's good experience yeah well anybody do anything else fun are we ready for some shout outs i think that covers it for me Euler. yeah i'm good <laughs> I, I took my mom flying that was fun really oh nice I gave her the stick, and she just started flying around. Very nice. good. <laughs> My mom wouldn't take it. <laughs> she enjoyed herself, but wouldn't take it. No, she had a blast. She was just she'd look at stuff on the ground and steer over toward it, and I was amazed. <laughs> I told her she should get her certificate. There you go. Very good. Well, it's finally starting to. It's going to start cooling down here pretty soon. I mean, it's still a hundred degrees every day, but at least the mornings are 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 bearable for a little while. So, flying later into the day will be uh, coming pretty soon, except for, you know, uh, the day ends a little bit sooner now, the daylight anyways. Oh, tell me about it. Our day is uh, two hours shorter than mm. it was in July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it. um, it's, uh, I wouldn't know. It's, I haven't uh, seen the sun in about a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move on to shout-outs now. I, um, don't, I don't have any. I have a few. All right. I I um first of all, uh Mike Fly sent us this YouTube channel that's been he sent us this like in July, I think, before Oshkosh, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it. Um actually I'm gonna have to go to it. But basically it was um this guy doing some instructional instructional videos of like traffic pattern techniques, short field, soft field landings. Um I'll put it in the show notes, but uh I think it was at his airport or something. I forget why he sent it to us, but it's really cool because it's um, some really good in-cockpit footage. Um, he's got some multi-engine stuff in here as well, spiral down a point. Um, so some cool little instructional videos. I guess good if you want to um, brush up on on some of your techniques just to refresh yourself. Um, so shout out to that. And it's... Um, I think it's a YouTube channel. They don't do just aviation stuff, but they have some good videos there. A couple other things. I don't know if I mentioned it, but um, my 
uh, flight instructor got an airline job, I believe it was SkyWest. Um, so he left the flight school, sent back some pictures of his badge. Because um, he was flying with uh, my friend Tim. He's doing his IFR up there. Um, so he's gone now, so now I have to find another instructor. Mm. I'll go through yet another one. But uh, congrats to him on that, because that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and another shout-out to Tim, because he's getting really close to finishing his uh, IFR. Um, and I think he started in, like, the end of June. Yeah, bastard. So he has been... Well, he's... <laughs> He's going for um, commercial. Um, he wants to get his ATP and, and get in the airlines. So uh, he's basically been saving up for years, getting ready to do this. And tried to do an accelerated program, didn't work out. So now he's just doing it at the flight school. So uh, he's also been through like three instructors because uh, my old instructor left. Um, and then this other guy, Adam, who was really cool. I was going to go fly with him. And then he just left because he got a job. So... All the awesome flight instructors there keep leaving. <laughs> kind of sucks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's almost done. And then I had one more. I went and checked out the local cap squadron. Oh, well done. Um, I feel bad because I haven't been back in a month. <laughs> but uh, some stuff happened. Yeah, now I'm moving, so I'm probably not going to get back until October. Um, but uh, I... So I went there fully expecting to go check out a couple other squadrons. And I keep hearing bad things about the other two squadrons I was going to go check out that were close. Like, really bad stuff. So I don't know if I am. I may just stick with this because these seem like some really cool guys. Um, and they have a, it's a senior and a cadet squadron. So um, it was pretty cool. So I don't know. I'll definitely be going back probably after the move uh, once I'm settled in the new apartment. So. But I'm definitely doing it um, thanks to, was it, the new pilot pod blog. Did a, a whole cap episode, and I listened to that, and I had been debating on it. Anyway, still kicking myself for not joining the cadet squadron when I could have when I was younger. But um, It's well worth it, I can say that. Yeah. So that's probably next, next to my list. Um as far as aviation's concerned, since I can't afford to fly, you know, being in a cap unit once you once you go through the whole process and you go through your your first level and then you get into your second level, um, it's it's once you go through your your check rides, um, it's a great way to fly a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, we've got one guy in our in our in our squadron. He's a, a captain. Uh, I think he's got. He admitted this out in our meeting. He's got about 480 hours, and of that 480, 300 of it is uh, on the cap airframe. <laughs> is so, that right? Man. He's flown a lot. I mean, he did he did basically all the levels. At, at, at I believe it's at at 100 hours, you can. You can get the you get checked out and you can do transport uh, right transport stuff yeah at two hundred hours then you can actually go to your full blown form five and um, mission pilot school and well, all I that stuff. Form five was just to be able to fly the planes. 
I believe so. I mean, there's there's different forms, but but I know that there's there's hour limits or hour minimums, and that's for levels. actually flying on the Air Force's dime, right? Correct. But once you do the Form Five, you can still fly the planes if they're available. Correct. Am I correct on that? Even without being like a transport pilot or anything? I think so. Okay. I haven't got that far in my uh, in my uh, travels, but. Uh, we we have some guys that do the transport and I mean I mean if you become the assistant maintenance officer or something like that you can actually move the plane from point A to point B stuff like that yeah initially yeah so. it, it um they they were saying there was about six there's like thirty senior members and I think they said six of them are pilots that sounds like my unit we've got about thirty seniors and I think we're at like twenty eight or thirty cadets um and, the, and it's it's a pretty active unit it's kind of nice. Yeah, they do. Well, see, the thing is, is they do um, weekly meetings every Tuesday. Oh, ours, ours are like twice a month for the seniors. Yeah, well, they do the cadets and the seniors at the same time. So some of the, the meeting, I the first meeting I went to was a little more uh, lazy for the seniors. Yeah, um, which worked out really well because I got to talk to this one guy who um, he wasn't like head of the squad or anything, but he was right up there. He's um, used to be in the Air Force. And man, this guy talked for the whole time about just everything. It was great. Just like soaking in everything he had to say. Cause there was a, it was me and a parent of, um, a cadet that was joining and we were both just getting information from him about the whole experience. Um, and he was just so passionate about it and it was really cool just listening to him talk. So awesome. That's all I got. Okay. I'm done. I got one. Uh, shout out to Dylan Barron. Uh, Dylan uh, soloed on his 16th birthday on June 25th, um, except he did it in uh, a rather unique way. I mean, good for him for, for, for getting his first solo in on his 16th birthday. Um, but he soloed uh-huh. seven tail dragger, seven tail dragger aircraft. In wow. the same I, loaded this, I just loaded this up. <laughs> I, I I read about that. Yeah, this will be in the book, in the show notes. Yeah. Wow. Um, and the the picture of him holding the record from Guinness, he's standing on the wing of a T six, and I'm hoping that that's not what he soloed on his first uh, for his first solo. <laughs> oh no, I'm hoping it T6s. is. <laughs> complex high performance tail dragger. Um, uh, complex. Yeah. Sure. Good. Um. <laughs> But uh, I hope he at least got a ride in one because I want one. <laughs> I still haven't. I got to hit my neighbor up. Um, <laughs> he's got a he's got a T six and uh, I'm he sorry. Said, uh, let me know when you want to go for a ride. So the best line in this article is: It took about a month for Guinness, which is based in the United Kingdom, to confirm the record. The notice arrived at Barron's home while Dylan was in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, for the community's annual air show. <laughs> <laughs> the community, yeah. yeah. Well, like just it's just a small little community air show. Community. <laughs> you know, just the whole aviation community. Um. <laughs> oh, so yeah, he wants to fly. He wants to uh, get his pilot's license on his seventeenth birthday, obviously next June twenty fifth, and then fly his own plane to the air show next year. Nice. Um. How, how does uh, I want my own plane? 
all these I so wanted to solo on my 16th and get my license on my 17th I tried never had the money I'm jealous of all of these kids who get the opportunity yeah I'm very jealous Granted, I'm still pretty young getting mine, but could have been younger. <laughs> so that's it for me. That was my uh, that was my shout out. It's cool. This kid's got more experience than I do <laughs> in planes. <laughs> in in terms of number of aircraft, uh, yeah, and types, and well, no, he's got more. He's tailwheel. He's got one more endorsement. <sighs> yeah. It's always good to know someone. Well, I don't have any shout-outs. Ooh, ooh, one more. I'm sorry. Uh, one more shout-out to a bunch of different people. Um, David Allen and uh, being surprised as one of the Camp campers, which I yeah. think is the coolest thing ever for him. I'm so happy that uh, uh, Steve Tupper and the Camp crew um, decided to do that. That is so cool. And to everyone else in Acrocamp too, um, I can't wait to see both the movies. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah. Thanks for David for uh, setting up some uh, some live stuff going on going out so we could watch it uh, stream in there for a while. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I wish I hadn't. Uh, I missed a lot because I've been so busy at work. Um, I caught the tail end of one of them, and that was awesome. Anywho. Um, I think that's about it for all of us, right? Yeah, I think that's that covers it. So, Chris, where can we find you on the internet? All right, you can find me at Chris at InThePatternPodcast.com or Twitter, MyTransponder, or YouTube at C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. That's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. And, uh, of course, Google Plus as well, um, Chris Holub. And uh, Brad, uh, where can we find you? Uh, you can reach me at Brad at InThePatternPodcast.com, uh, Twitter at Brad Kane, my transponder at Kane, and Google Plus at Brad Kane. And Kane is spelled just like it sounds, Kilo, Oscar, Echo, Hotel, November. All right, Mark, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Mark at InThePatternPodcast.com, on Twitter as StudentPilotMark, that's S-T-D-N-T, PilotMark. Uh, on my transponder as Mark Lacoste and on Google Plus as Mark Lacoste. Cool. And uh, you can find me uh, at John at InThePatternPodcast.com on Twitter as Pilot Conway. Uh, my transponder should be Pilot Conway as well and also on Google Plus as um, John L. Conway the Fourth. if you are adventurous. Um, and you can reach all of us at InThePatternPodcast.com, on Twitter at InThePattern, and the My Transponder uh, group page for In the Pattern. We also have a Facebook page for In the Pattern. Um, or you can search iTunes and search for In the Pattern Podcast. Um, go ahead and give us a review rating. Uh, help us uh, um, spread the word and get some other listeners, and um, uh, it'll help anybody um, find us on, on iTunes. Uh, and finally, we also have a Google Voice number. That's uh, 707-PCAST-01. Uh, That's 707-PAPA-CHARLIE-ALPHA-SIERRA-TANGO-01. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Independent Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option.
this and other great shows at the Aviation Podcast Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com Kane is spelled just like it sounds. Kilo, Oscar, Echo, Hotel, November. <laughs> that oh, me up. Yeah, that. <laughs> so, uh, damn it. Compose yourself. Me too. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. <laughs> it was just the just like it sounds thing that. <laughs> the pot of blue. Was it Dave Flies that was introducing him? Oh, no, it was Bill Williams that uh, botched it on the Potapalooza. I wouldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you surprisingly, you were one of the more sober people on that podcast. Uh, that was probably because that was before I had another two glasses oh my of gosh. There were some guys on that thing where I'm like, wow. I can't wait to listen to it. Seriously? <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, and finally, we also have a Google Voice number, and for the life of me, I don't remember it, so I'm going to go look it up right now. I was about to say 361 Geeks 01. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't want to know. Do you not listen to the Airplane Geeks? Airplane Geeks number, yeah. Long outtake, or a long, you know, this is wait for the phone number. He, oh, you know what, though? He, can, uh, he, he does some good <laughs> editing when he edits. Thanks. <laughs> I just, I just like I wasn't going to pick up on that. <laughs> when, when he edits? When yeah. is that? Edit party.